0: Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane.
1: You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service, powered by TrueCar. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. All right, today we're talking with Marine Corps veteran Sonny Tai, CEO of Actuate. Sonny, you got a really interesting uh, life story where you grew up and everything, and I want to hear about what you did in the Marine Corps. So take us back and tell us where it all began.
0: Sounds good, Joe. Uh, so I was born in Taiwan. I grew up in South Africa. And uh, my life story is a little bit crazy. Um, my father passed away from asthma when he was three years old. Sorry, when I was three years old, not when he was three years old. Uh, then he wouldn't be a father, um, but, but yeah, the ambulance got stuck in traffic and didn't make it on time. So, so, um, so yeah, he he passed away. So I was raised by a single mom. Uh, when I was five years old, I found that I had asthma as well and really bad asthma attack went to the ICU and my oxygen mask and an IV in my veins. And my mom would tell me bedtime stories and I don't remember any bedtime story she told me except for one. And she just saw something in the news and she wanted to. Um, repeat that story to me, just to educate me on current affairs. And this was during the Persian Gulf war, the first one. And she said, once upon a time, there's a bad guy. His name is Hussein. And he invaded a little country called Kuwait because he was greedy. And she's telling me all this in Mandarin, right? Uh, yeah. Cause that's our native language in Taiwan. <clears throat> and she said the good guys led by a person named Bush came and saved Kuwait and kicked out Hussein's forces <laughs> And like I'm five years old. And ever since then, i became obsessed with the concept of america um so we ended up moving to south africa when i was seven years old with me my mom and my sister in large part because you know um taiwan had really bad air quality and south africa was a place where um really encouraged Taiwanese immigrants to come and the quality of life was good air quality was great education was good so my mom decided to go to south africa to build a better life for us we lived it for six years and South Africa is 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 great in many ways. It's a wonderful place to live. Beautiful country, beautiful culture. But it also has one of the highest rates of violent crime in the entire world, up there in Mexico and Brazil. Really? So we had a, a family friend who was fatally shot in his own home. We had family friends who were robbed at gunpoint and carjacked. It's, it's really not uncommon. So uh, my mom decided, okay, well, the next leap of faith I'm going to take is try to come to the United States. So she ended up Coming to U.S., finding a job, uh, furniture company sponsored her to be a procurement manager. They paid twelve dollars an hour on H-1B visa sponsorship, and we came. So uh, at the time, I was thirteen years old. uh, Came to do the second half of eighth grade, rolled into high school in the Chicago suburbs, and and did high school here in the United States. And the way uh, I found the Marine Corps was that I decided to skip physics class and go take something called ASVAB, which everybody listens to this podcast is probably familiar with. <laughs> and look, I'm a, I'm a Taiwanese immigrant, right? Standardized tests are a joke to me. Uh, ASVAB didn't even try 96th percentile. <laughs> Only reason it's not 99th is because there's a section on what's the color, brake fluid or whatever, all the mechanical stuff. It's like I'm a city boy. I didn't, I've never seen it underneath the hood of a car in my life. So it's right. just like CCC right there. So probably got a hundred and everything else. Um, and a first recruiter to start blowing up my phone. I'll never forget his name. Staff Sergeant Monty A. France, former scout sniper. Um, and he was an expert at telling teenagers what they wanted to hear. <laughs> oh yeah. you will. Once you put the uniform on, women won't be able to resist you honor and courage and commitment. don't you want to serve your country? You're a stud already, I'll make you even more of a stud. All that stuff, right? So um, so yeah, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it, uh, I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps, uh, went to Marine Corps Reserves so I can go to college at the same time. And when it came time to MOS selection, um, he said, hey, there's only three MOSs available to you. You can be an MBC defense specialist, motor vehicle mechanic or motor vehicle operator. So I'm there like, hey, Staff Sergeant, uh, I know what NBC defense is. I don't want to deal with poisonous gases. So um, how about motor vehicle operator? Can I drive tanks? He says, no, you can't drive tanks. I said, how about like the Rangers in Black Hawk Down driving Humvees? He said, it's just like the Rangers in Black Hawk Down. Um, So yeah, I I enlisted as a 3531 motor vehicle operator. Got through MOS schools, honor grad, meritorous lance corporal. Showed up to my reserve unit and realized that it's nothing like that. All you do is PM vehicles all day, sweep and swab the deck, working parties. Um, so, so that kicked off my Marine Corps career, and that's all. Uh, that's that's how I grew up.
1: <laughs> you really got to question that that recruiter. You know, you practically maxed out the ASVAB, and he and he throws you into to motor T, huh? <laughs> And I had a company hilarious.
0: commander, um his name was Major Porter, later on Lieutenant Colonel. And he one day brought me into his office. And I don't think I was a very good motor team Marine, to be perfectly honest with you. And he said, Hey Corporal Ty, you're too smart for Motor T, aren't you? I don't know what the answer to that. I'm like Yeah, uh, that sounds like a trick. I don't question. know, sir. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. So am I supposed to say yes or no? Like I, I don't get it. Um but but yeah, I, I I don't know. There were three jobs that were available. I think at the time there was a lot of people enlisting. Uh, I wasn't qualified for any of the intel roles because I was a, I was on a green card and mm-hmm. I was a U.S. citizen back then. So um, all the more desirable ones that require a high ASVAB score um, weren't offered. I mean, infantry wasn't even offered. To be honest, with you. said so these are three openings you can you can choose and you got to pick one. So it is what it is. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Contrary to popular belief, getting infantry is is not easy.
0: Yeah. For yeah. Write, I, um,
1: it's very sought after.
0: I know, I know a lot of infantrymen and infantry officers. And, um, you know, some of them are some of the most impressive people I've met in my entire mm-hmm. life. Now mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I met the mouth breathers as well.
1: right?
0: <laughs> but I, I feel like in the Marine Corps infantry, especially is where you get the divergence where you get the cream of the crop of the American population mm-hmm. and people who just honestly, um, for lack of a better, better phrase, like, you know, probably couldn't get great jobs elsewhere and decided to go into the Marine Corps, but they want to do something badass and to go into infantry.
1: Yeah. But
0: regardless, I have profound respect for, for all infantrymen. Uh, but, but I've met some really, really talented people from, from Absolutely. the infantry.
1: True essence of leadership. <sighs> Definitely an eclectic mix. Oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure.
0: Some of the best philosophers In general,
1: are infantrymen. <laughs>
0: You know, yeah, because you know when you've been through um, when you've been through a combat situations, infantrymen, and you've been through the the um, apogee of human misery. Um, I think that's when all your philosophical takes will start getting generated in your mind. Whatever's up there,
1: right?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's driving a seven ton truck as or PM motor vehicle operator or motor vehicle mechanic or whatever. And start thinking about Kant and Rousseau and the meaning of life. Um, <laughs> but alas, I digress. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, so um, so you were going to school while in the reserves. Uh, where did this entrepreneurial streak come from?
0: So my mom brought, went back to Taiwan from South Africa in 1996. And she comes back with a shiny new toy. It's a brand new Pentium 100 state-of-the-art computer with Windows 95. And those of us who are a little bit older, we have um, had the pleasure of using DOS and Windows 3.1. When Windows 95 came out with that new GUI, it was just like amazing. Mm -hmm. Fell in love with computers. Fell in love with computers. Wanted to be like Bill Gates. I made a pact with my childhood friends in South Africa that we would get together and start a gaming company one day, like a Blizzard Entertainment, right? Uh Um, that never happened. I didn't even become a software engineer. One of my best friends in South Africa became a software engineer. But that planted a seed in my mind I wanted to start my own company one day. I've also always wanted to do something around social impact. Just growing up in South Africa, um, you know, there's a huge, just like in the United States, but worse, huge disparity between the haves and have-nots. So just every day on our drive to school, we can see, quite frankly, the, the um, shanty towns you know, uh, that are, are not too far away from the high income population centers where the white and Asian South Africans lived. So that always left a double impact on me. I've always wanted to do something that kind of made our society, made our world a little bit a better place. So that's what ultimately led me to, to, to actuate, uh, eventually, uh, sometime sometime down the road, but, uh, definitely the seed was planted, um, when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> wow.
1: Okay. So, so walk us through some of what you, you know, did you just jump right into um, so your your company Actuate, um, which uh, has AI security systems where it allows security cameras to actually detect threats such as certain people carrying weapons and that kind of thing, and it, mm-hmm. and it's artificial intelligence. So, did you actually jump right into that, or walk us through how you arrived at at Actuate?
0: Yeah, so uh, the, the second second part of my story, which is not as interesting, is I ended up um, becoming a U.S. citizen in 08, went to OCS, became a Marine Corps officer, deployed to Afghanistan, which is mostly a best job on Camp Lendernick, then uh, came back to the U.S. in 2013, applied to business school, went to the University of Chicago for an MBA, was a management consultant for a couple of years uh, before I started to actuate, and what brought me to actuate was Um, after Las Vegas shooting in late 2017, you know, just one person with a double stuffle bag full of rifles and bump stocks Mm -hmm. went and killed 58 people and shot another 500. Um, And I just started doing some research on, you know, whether or not we can use technology, not to solve the problem because that's uh, the problem is, is not going to be solved through technology, Um, but at least to save lives when crisis situations happen. So, What they teach you in the startup world is that, you know, you need to do customer discovery before you even start building a product, talk to customers and find out what the pain points are, find out what the potential solutions might be from a customer's perspective. So talk to a ton of teachers, uh, education administrators, law enforcement leaders from patrol officer all the way up to deputy chief. I even would sit by Chicago police department officers on a train and say, Hey, look, I got this idea. What do you think? Like, will this help you? if you were in such a situation. And uh, what I arrived at was that a lot of them came back and said, you know what? It would be really cool if security cameras could automatically identify threats and provide us with real-time information because just like a Marine kicking a door down, going to to, uh, a compound and not knowing what the other side uh, is on the other side, uh, some of these officers told me, they said, the most terrifying thing for us to do is to, Enter into a building, knowing that there's armed threat inside, but not knowing what the situation is. So um, after doing that research, also found that computer vision models have been outperforming human beings in terms of uh, being able to identify objects, but nobody had built a credible product in terms of identifying gun threats and other types of security threats in existing security camera feeds. So, I knew I wanted to build it and uh, I knew I had to put together a technical team. So, I was super lucky that one of the first people I came across is my co founder, now Ben Giomek, who had spent five years building AI for Microsoft, who started business school at University of Chicago, where uh, I also went. So, long story short, is 30 minutes, a 30 minute coffee chat turned into three hours and we started working together in early 2018. And uh, the rest is history. He's, he's upstairs right now or downstairs right now um, in, in the office. So, we're still together today. Really, <clears throat> so you
1: yourself actually just kind of conjured up this idea in your head from all all your previous experience and, and life experience yeah. and how you grew up and everything, and it, it just happened to run into the right guy
0: and made it happen. Yeah, I, I am not. Uh, <clears throat> I think in, in any tech startup, you need a selling co-founder, or you need a building co-founder. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not the building co-founder. Um, you know, I, I tried tried teaching myself computer programming, Delphi, Visual Basic when I was 14 years old, but I got distracted by other things. Uh, So my co-founder is the brains of the company. He's the one that builds the technology. Uh, It frees me up to go out there and shake hands and kiss babies. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's awesome. Well, hey, Sonny, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. We bought a few cars with Navy Federal loans over my 31 years as a member, and their fully loaded car buying experience is awesome. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. They have low rates and pre-approval that's good for ninety days, so you know what you can afford while you're shopping. You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's Carbine Service, powered by TrueCar. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, Geico, and SiriusXM. They're always available with twenty-four-seven member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at navyfederal.org/carbine. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Your actual savings off MSRP may vary. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. For years, I would take off my gold wedding ring and put it on my dog tag chain before I pre-flighted my H one Super Cobra. Crawling around on top of the transmission and engines presented many opportunities to catch that ring on something and cause serious damage to my ring finger. If you wear a traditional metal ring, you know the hassle of taking it on and off every time you need to use your hands. That's why I've been loving the Rise Collection from Enzo Rings. They're high-quality silicone rings that are a great alternative to hard metal rings. My wife saw me browsing the Enzo website and immediately wanted the pink sand ring. So now, we both wear one. For years, she's had to replace the small diamonds on her metal band that surround the main diamond. And two years ago, when we were scuba diving in the Caribbean, she caught her metal ring on the ladder of the catamaran and almost lost the whole ring to the bottom of the ocean. Enzo Rings Rise Collection is great for our lifestyle. They combine a precious metal look with the comfort and safety of silicone and stylish colors like obsidian slate, which is the one I've got forest green and denim. Enzo rings are the perfect alternative for your traditional wedding band. And you can leave your ring on no matter what you're doing, whether you're at work, at the gym or traveling. Plus Enzo rings rise collection has the first ever silicone rings infused with SteriTouch antimicrobial technology. Who doesn't want a cleaner ring? And they're made right here in the U S trust me. Order Enzo Rings today. You're going to love them. And right now, my listeners can get 10% off their first purchase. So just go to EnzoRings.com today and use promo code VETERAN. That's promo code VETERAN at E-N S O rings.com. Okay, back talking with Marine Veteran, Sunny Ty, CEO of Actuate. So, Sunny, um, you, you described, I want to drill into this one point. Um, some of the things we've been discussing in our masterminds, some of the things I've learned is, in the entrepreneurial world, myself, you described yourself. Um, you came up with the idea, and you describe yourself as the sales founder. And you have a um, uh, what's your partner? Um, would you would you coin him as the term?
0: The building co-founder. The building co-founder. The building co-founder. Yeah, co- seller founder. and a builder. Seller yeah, and a builder.
1: builder. Like a lot of times in this in this entrepreneurial like books and stuff, we discussions I've been involved in, we call it uh, the visionary and the implementer. And um, if you're the one that comes up with the idea and you're great at selling the idea and talking it up, most of the time you you, you need an implementer. You need implementers. And so you happen to run into the perfect implementer. And um, what I've discovered over time, especially in this entrepreneurial world, trying to solo entrepreneur, I'm a great visionary, but I'm not a good implementer. And I struggled with that for a long time because I thought, like you said, you tried to, you tried to figure out computer programming. You realized it wasn't your thing, and, you, um, and I have the same problem. Like I can get into computer programming, but like computer programming for me was like basic, Pascal, Fortran, going way back. I love that stuff, but I'm really more of a visionary and a big idea guy. I'm not a good implementer. And the thing that it took me a long time to realize is there are people that are phenomenal implementers. And they're not the big visionary types. They prefer to implement. And then you need to be paired up with these people that are great visionaries. So the fact that you you two teamed up in business school and are making this happen is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Um, And and I think that people tend to overvalue being a visionary a little bit. Do you ever see people's LinkedIn profiles? Like, I am a... Never trust someone when they say that they're a visionary. Right? It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Like if somebody calls you a visionary, that's good to go. But if you call yourself a visionary, you're probably not a visionary. Yeah,
1: you don't want to be a self-appointed uh, visionary.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, look, I mean, I did come up with the idea. Um, I was lucky enough that Ben bought into the idea. I was lucky enough that he shares I think our cultural and uh and kind of values approach overlap by about 90%. So, uh, you know, when you have somebody that's that capable of being by your side and kind of building this company together, that's a, that's a really good place to be. Uh, but I think it really just started in that just from day one, I I valued someone like like him. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Now when he expressed interest in working with me, I think a lot of founders would have been like, okay, well, it's my idea. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, you're new, so you only get, even though you're a co-founder, you only get 15%, for example. Um, from day one, when we had a coffee chat at 30 minutes, turned only three hours. I knew immediately. I was like, this guy knows all the things that I don't know. This guy can do all the things that I can't do. So I told him from day one, like 50, 50, let's do this. Right. I know it's my idea. I know I've been growing out business plans and applying to startup pitch competitions and things like that for the first mm-hmm. four months, but I can't do this without you. So they just split evenly and, and, uh, you know, have you in a decision-making process? Yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a gamble, but again, one hundred percent of zero is is zero, right? Yeah. Um, but but if you, if you have somebody capable of that you know you're in it together, you have the same stake together, um, and you have complementary skill sets, I think that works out really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, like Chris Ducker, Mr. Solopreneur guy. <clears throat> he he had said several years ago. I was listening to him. He said that he discovered early on that he was a great builder. You know, he, he could build a company from scratch and get it up to the point where it's almost self-sustaining, but he wasn't a good manager. He didn't like to manage things that already existed. And so when he, when he realized that whenever he got something up to where it was almost self-sustaining, he would bring in managers, run it, and then he would walk away or step aside go back and start another one. And, um, and I've also talked about like, you know, the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Bill Gates and the Steve Jobs, it's very, very rare to have a founder walk through all the different steps of a company going public yeah. and then getting very large. And if if you're only good at one or two of those phases, there's like four or five phases, um, and they say that um, a company like, like uh, Apple or Microsoft typically would have had, four or five different CEOs before it finally got to the main stage. Um, So it's very rare to have a founder take it all the way through to the end like that. And if you're, if you fit one of those, like if you're the very beginning guy or if you're the second and third step and you're not good at the other ones, that's okay. Cause I I think oftentimes we enter in this world of entrepreneurship. We think we're supposed to be good at all of it. Like, but you, like you had, if you, you, you teamed up with the ideal partner and you knew immediately you knew you recognized he had what, what you needed and what you didn't have. Yeah. And, and then it, and then it just went from there.
0: I mean, that's why culture is the most important part of building a company. I know that sounds very um, shapeless and vague, like mm-hmm. how do you define culture? I mean, culture is just, I, I think if without reading the Merriam Webster um, definition, it just a set of, traditions, practices, and values and beliefs that drive an organization, right? Um, And I I had one of our investors, Annalise, visit um, uh, last Friday. and, And I was telling her, just bragging about our team, bragging about how good our team is. And I said, look, Annalise, we're gonna continue to make tactical and strategic mistakes. And there are some people on our team who suck at certain things but are really good at other things. And when you hire someone, you're never going to be able to get someone who is good at everything. Like these people are just so rare and, and yeah. you know don't don't really exist. But team members can cover for each other's execution weaknesses. One team member is very strong in one area. One team member is not as strong in another area. Uh, you can cover for each other. It's just like in a Marine Corps, right? Combined arms. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a like a, a water purification specialist. Uh, it may not be as good in a fight on a, on the ground, kicking down doors, but good luck running a mission without potable water. Right? It's w- one example. Yeah. Um, but but what really the glue that brings everyone together is that from a values and cultural perspective, you have to be on the same page. Because if you're not, you bring on the wrong people. Worse, you bring in the wrong leaders. Uh, that's just use a sports sports analogy. That could poison the locker room poison the locker and poison the well far more than if somebody doesn't deliver on a specific skill set yeah so going back to your point about one founder taking a company from from seed pre-seed or seed to ipo yeah that's i think that's relatively rare um but but you know if if you build the right culture around your company even if you step aside subsequent leaders should be executing under that same culture and should not be changing that culture, that company will continue to be successful.
1: Yeah. Now, you, you've obviously had a, a, a very interesting life, uh, born in Taiwan, grew up mostly in, in South Africa, then high school in the Chicago area, uh, enlisted Marine, Marine officer. You had a wide, plus several degrees, you've got a wide range of experience and education. In the process of starting up you know, creating a startup and getting funding initially to get it going. How much of your military experience came into play in becoming successful and all that?
0: Mm, I think a little bit. Um, if I said none, I'd be lying. If I said a lot, I'd be lying as well. I think what it taught me is to continue to put one foot in front of the other. It's like when you're on a fifty-mile hump, right? You got freaking hundred pounds on your back, Uh, you know, you're carrying, and plus you got you're carrying your a two forty barrel and a freaking flak and Kevlar, all sorts of gear, and it's miserable. But you know that if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you'll eventually get there. That's how it felt like fundraising was in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to had my shoes soaked through, um, trudging through snow in Chicago to take angel investor meetings just in the hopes that somebody would write us a $10,000 check. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been laughed at. I went and visited a North, Northwestern professor. I won't, I won't drop, drop her name, but she was uh, running in BC in Chicago. And I'll never forget that I was telling her about the, this idea and, and she laughed. <laughs> she laughed uh like that's not not viable. Um an angel investor was gracious enough to buy me lunch and give me some good advice, but he said, I will never invest in your company. And I'm not telling these stories to be kind of like all oh, talking about hustle porn or anything like that. But it's just something that every founder goes through, especially when you're kind of at the idea MVP stage. You haven't demonstrated that much traction yet. You haven't de-risked uh your business substantially for investors. And you may come up with an idea that's really new to the world, and uh, they'll look at you with a skeptical eye because they can't make a bet on everyone. So um, where I think the military experience is helpful is it definitely taught me resilience, it definitely taught me to be cool under pressure. My co-founder told me once that I'm one of the, I'm always calm under pressure. I don't think that's all, that's true. I've I've lost it a couple of times, but uh, generally cool under pressure, which is important, um, and generally carry yourself in a confident way. Right. um, You know, I, I think as a, as a Marine officer, you're taught certain elements of presentation and professionalism that come across well, when you're presenting uh, to two people. And, and yeah, when you're pitching these early seed investors and angel investors and you know, you're building a company, but you don't have that much to show for yet. I think that really goes a long way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about Actuate and how the technology actually works.
0: Uh, so, yeah, we build AI software that turns existing security cameras into smart cameras, and we identify threats ranging from... We use computer vision to identify threats ranging from gun threats, which means somebody pulls a gun out, um, The uh, security forces get notified, uh, intruders, loiterers, crowds. Uh, we just release slip and fall detection, which is especially helpful for uh, property managers that are trying to mitigate liability risk. Um, hospitals and and nursing homes also have slip and fall concerns. But really what we're uh, you know, looking to do is become the one-stop shop for using what's called video analytics in industry, which is using computer vision AI uh, to enable existing security cameras to become smart cameras without having to install any additional hardware. So the idea is to get information to the right people at the right time to improve security and facilities response significantly from before.
1: Now, how, how, is your, how are you able to use existing cameras uh, to make this work?
0: Yeah, so we we sample frames in a very uh, bandwidth and compute efficient manner, and we send them up to up to the cloud where our computer vision models sit. And yeah, we will just spin up EC2 instances on AWS, and uh, and run all the compute on the cloud instead of having to uh, install some sort of a smart camera or GPU on site because that capex is something that a lot of customers are unwilling to make the investment in.
1: Yeah. Cause I was envisioning you know, when I first heard what your company does envisioning, you know, some of the scanners are using an airports and that kind of thing, but you're able to, you're able to actually make this work with existing smart cameras.
0: Literally. If you bought a $100 camera on eBay or Amazon installed it in your home and connected to the internet, we can turn that camera into a smart camera if you would like.
1: Okay. So you kind of explained how it worked on the technical side, but in layman's terms, how does it really work?
0: Uh, how does it really work in terms of the computer vision model or in terms of the processes of uh, like, helping? Uh,
1: like is one of the things can, can somebody detect, can some of the, the software actually detect uh, firearms weapons?
0: Yeah, absolutely. and, and that's, that's core competency.
1: That, Like if somebody's got one in their pocket or something, how does it detect that?
0: Well, if it's in a pocket and it's not showing, then it doesn't detect it because mm-hmm. it can only see uh, computer vision can only see what, what the camera can see, right? Because we sample frames from the camera mm-hmm. and process it. And uh, you know it, it's processed through what in data science is known as a convolutional neural network, which basically means, and I'm not a technical person, so i say something wrong, embarrass myself, I apologize, mm-hmm. but um, it basically mathematically calculates the uh, probability of certain objects existing in images and video mm-hmm. uh, through uh, uh, complicated series of matrix algebra calculations. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so once it calculates that a probability of a certain object in this case, let's say a pistol hits a certain threshold, then it sends back a notification and we can send a notification any way you want. Uh, a lot of customers have something called a security operations center, which means they have a control room with big screen TVs pulled up, cameras pulled up, but it's impossible for the employees and it's monitor all the cameras and we can trigger an alarm mm-hmm. so that, they can take a look and say, "Hey, is this a real weapon? If so, we can execute defensive evacuation measures. If not, then we dismiss it and it's it's not a threat."
1: So, like, uh, <clears throat> so, like, let's say cameras see somebody coming in a hotel lobby. You know, the, the the they've got a pistol hidden somewhere. They doesn't see it. They get on the elevator. Still doesn't get seen. They're walking down the hallway and they're going to a particular room. At that point, they pull out the pistol as they approach the door. Th- then the hallway cameras pick it up and sound the alarm because at that point they, it's obvious when the guy pulls it out. But yeah, it wouldn't sound a public
0: alarm. It was it would alarm the security operations center or mm-hmm. security staff because there are AI is not perfect. There are false positives. Uh, our false positive rate we believe is by far the industry low um, uh-huh. in production deployments. I mean, we our longest our longest tenured customer has been with us for. I think two and a half years, and they get something like one false positive per 45 cameras per month, something really, really low. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, to them, it's not a nuisance to say, okay, well, that's not a real threat, saying we'll, you know, uh, we'll dismiss that and, and not not execute our defensive evacuation measures. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing you want to do is alert the entire building, all the customers, if there's a false positive, so there's always a human in loop doing the verification.
1: Yeah. Can, can you give like some specific examples of <clears throat> whether it's fall detection or, you know, maybe not something so quite so sexy as detecting a weapon or something, but some specific instances where Our, yeah. your software has been instrumental?
0: Our most common use case is um, just regular people in vehicle detection and just identify people in vehicles where not supposed to be. So uh, there's a type of company called uh, a remote, remote guarding company. Um, and it runs something called a central station. And again, it's a commercial version of a security operations center. Big screen TV is pulled up, but they monitor cameras on behalf of end users. They monitor cameras on behalf of customers, like, um, like hospitals, like construction sites, like property managers, like schools, so on and so forth. And usually these operations are after business hours. So let's say 7 PM to 5 AM. And they'll do this monitoring to make sure that there's no there's no trespassers where they're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, another example, we um, just using loitering detection at some low income housing properties. Um, a big issue that comes up with a lot of these properties is that there's usually an nefarious activity happening in stairwells because people feel like they're not being seen there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but also if somebody just walks up the stairs, you don't want to you don't want to trigger an alarm, right, or identify them. But if somebody's loitering in stairwells it's often something bad's happening so we've used our used our AI to catch a lot of drug deals um, we've caught public indecency of, of various forms mm-hmm. um and, and other types of other types of kind of various activity in our stairwells just using our AI help the security team respond to these incidents
1: because <clears throat> when you have this when you have this many cameras covering so many different things the human eye just can't You'd have to have 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 one person covering each camera to really catch everything.
0: Yeah. And that's why uh, by using AI, you can narrow that down. You can use fewer people to monitor more cameras effectively uh, to identify where the anomalies are that require security of facilities response. Yeah. So
1: can you share, what what kind of numbers can you share with this? Uh, Where's Actuate right now and where do you see it going here in the near future?
0: Yeah. We're currently deployed about 12,000 cameras. Um, yeah. And we have um, a little bit under five million dollars in annual revenues, mm-hmm. um, and we're growing super rapidly. Uh, we just two months ago we just closed an eight million dollars Series A venture um, venture financing round, and uh, mm-hmm. that's going to enable us to really deepen our competitive moat in terms of hiring the, techni- the critical technical 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 talent that we need. Uh, we just brought in a super talented engineering manager who graduated from Georgia Tech. Um, and you know, we hired a, a couple of new salespeople, um, a salespeople that was a salesperson we just extended an offer to was a Cornell, Cornell grad, another salesperson that we that just started two months ago was an army ranger who uh, graduated from West point as a rice MBA. So just continue to bring in that top tier talent. So we continue to, um, grow our company, but most importantly, provide value for our customers and help, help make uh, our communities a little bit safer.
1: Wow. That's awesome hey, Sonny, um, how do we find Actuate and get more information on it?
0: Yeah, our website is www.actuate.ai, and my, uh, my email address is sonny, S-O-N-N-Y, at actuate.ai.
1: That's awesome. And I do want to give you the final word. You know, if you're talking to somebody that's still in the military on their way out, just got out recently, and they're looking to get into the startup arena, get into entrepreneurship, what kind of advice comes to mind?
0: Um, wow, that's that's really I mean, you could run a whole another podcast <laughs> just to talk about that topic oh, yeah. uh, I think it, it, if I were to distill it down it is be decisive, right um, when I was in the Marine Corps I remember, I'll remember never forget in the basic school I almost failed in evolution because uh, um, the instructor said hey, Lieutenant Ty wasn't decisive enough in, in his <laughs> actions and uh, I think ever since then I took it a little too far in, in terms of and certain things might not become impulsive. (laughs) So there's a happy balance there, but if you feel like you have an idea that you think can be impactful, uh, you've done your due diligence and validation, go out there and do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is probably the best time to raise money in recent history. A lot of people have made a lot of money in real estate, in the stock market, whatever the case may be, and they're looking to deploy that capital. And part of deploying that capital is they're willing to take higher risk bets. They're willing to invest in startups, right? So put the right team together, attract talented people to come and work with you, and and go and build your company. Um, because this is not a bad time to to be doing so.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, Sonny, thanks for sharing your your uh, great story, a uh, phenomenal personal story. In, in addition Thank to you. military, and uh, looking forward to seeing your future success in in the startup and entrepreneurial world. Thank you, Joe. All right. These two Marines are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.